Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Stacy Miller. Stacy is a certified financial planner professional, a partner and vice president at Bright Investments, LLC. She has an MBA from Auburn University, a bachelor's in sociology from Boston University, and she is a fee-only fiduciary financial advisor who is a member of NAPFA and FPA. She is an expert in finding financial security through transitions, crises, and windfalls. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Melissa, thank you for having me. Well, you are a mom to two college-age students, in addition to all of those details that I just described. Your son, Jackson, is an undergrad at Auburn University, and Jamie is at Georgia Tech. And when we were discussing a podcast episode, we both thought that a good conversation would be to discussing the money tips that you talk about with your sons, share them with others so they can also be helping and encouraging their college age students to become financially independent over time. Um, yes. I, I think a lot of my peers are asking me these questions um, given my profession and the fact that, um, you know, we have college kids. So happy to share this information today. Well, there are two kind of tracks that we're going on. One is to protect yourself and make sure that right now your kids are and your your young adults are making good decisions for right now, but also you're laying the groundwork and the foundation for how, you know, the next generation approaches money over time. So there's a lot of educational components where it's not just what you need, but it's the why and the how that you should be sharing with your family. Yes. Uh, you know, this information is not taught in most schools. And um, so people don't know what they don't know. And mm-hmm. um, it's really good information. So it's, it's great for people that are not college students to hear this information and to um, start sharing it with the younger generation so that they can make good uh, choices, like you mentioned, going forward. I completely agree. So let's get started. What would your first tip be, the first thing that comes to mind when you think about college students and money? Well, I think um, a lot of people ask me the question about um, sending kids off with credit cards. And I think, you know, by building credit and getting a credit card when they go off for the first time is really important. And I have a, a kind of a really great story. So my oldest, when he went off to college, I got him a credit card and, uh, you know, gave him my list of instructions. Don't spend it on anything that you don't already have money for. Pay it off every month. Um, you know, all the good credit building things. And uh, when he, a uh, couple days before classes, he said, Mom, I have to buy books. What should I use to pay for books? And I said, well, you know, this is a great opportunity to use your new credit card because you have book money. So let's do that. And then you just pay it off, you know, right away. And when I said pay it off right away, what I meant was get the statement in 30 days or whatever. And, um, 
you know, then pay it off so that you don't have to pay any interest. Right. But what he did was he walked into the bookstore, he bought his books, charged it on his credit card, walked out of the bookstore, pulled out his iPhone standing in the parking lot and transferred the money from his bank to um, pay off that credit card. So when I said pay it off right away, he took me literally. <laughs> and uh, so that was a learning process for him that you make a charge in 30 days or whatever your time frame is, you, you get the statement and then you pay it off and you don't pay any interest. And uh, so that was a funny I love experience it. But it, <laughs> where I learned something and he learned something and um, it's always a learning process. Well, that's a, exactly what we're talking about here. It's that you need to get very basic. We are in advanced courses of <laughs> money and finance. And if you've never received a credit card statement and you know, work to pay it off. It's great if you're able to pay it off in the beginning because so many people, you know, start using credit because they have to. So it's very helpful to, to you know, say, here's a statement. Here's when I receive it. I know that I've spent this because of this strategy. Um, I love the idea of maybe having check-ins if you have that kind of relationship with your kid where you can strategize about money from month to month right, so that they right. understand That's, more. Um, <clears throat> definitely um, a benefit to have an open dialogue. <laughs> right. He called me right away and said, I paid it off. Here I am in the parking lot. So um, yeah, that open dialogue helps to uh, correct the communication because right. They're not necessarily receiving a paper statement. Yeah. When we learned about um, managing money, it was how to write a check. I don't think he's ever seen a check. And balance a checkbook. Right. <clears throat> and balance a checkbook. So um, it's a different communication. And so parents and um, young adults have to, you know, use the right language with one another. And it's not necessarily the same. Well, that leads right into kind of our second major area, which is live within your means. And I think that brings up a B word, budgeting, a little bit. <laughs> yes. So yeah, but budgeting has a negative connotation um, sometimes, but living within your means um, <clears throat> is really important. Uh, and there's two ways to approach that. And, and you know, I think this applies um, from these financial topics a lot. So you can either increase your means um, right. or you can spend less, right? Save more, spend less, increase your means. And so um, college students are pretty limited in um, being able to increase their means. Maybe they can get a part-time job or, or something along those lines. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just really important that they know how much money they have and that they stay within that. And, um, you know, there's some great opportunities with, with um, student discounts, for example. And, um, I think, you know, the, when I mentioned that to my kids, they kind of poo-poo the idea, like, what's, what's the big deal if I save 10%? Well, if you do it five times a month and it's X number of dollars, that's maybe a lunch out that you, that you didn't have before. So, um, you know, we talked about credit card, uh, using the credit card. Sometimes it's necessary to build credit card debt if it's possible to not do that. Um, and to be able to just use it for, you know, what you have cash on hand for or what you will have cash on hand for by the uh, end of the, your statement period, really important. Yeah, I, I remember a hack that my dad had me do when I was in college, which I would work most of the summer full time and then less so during school. I had student jobs, but they were not full time. And so he encouraged me to 
basically hand over some of my paychecks to him so that he could create a streamlined paycheck during the school year where I had um, more reserves. So, you know, you're, you're testing the waters. Not every student has the luxury of having a family that helps to pay for college. So there's, there's implications with your student loan decisions, which is an entirely separate discussion, but not only for your current budget, but also for your future budget. So I think that, you know, being thoughtful about how you approach money, choosing who you hang out with, (laughs) if they also, you know, have respect for money so that you aren't living a lifestyle in order to hang out with your friends that you you can't keep up with. There's so much there. Um, Yeah, that peer pressure component is, um, is is a great point, great factor. Yeah, and not everybody's going to be perfect all the time. So having a constructive way to talk about money, I I met with kids of a client who were in college and just out over the holidays last year because their family had always talked about money. They were already talking about the ways they should be saving for retirement and things like that. And I I just love it when I, I talk with families and young adults who are open to the conversation because they are getting a huge head start over most of their peers. Yeah. Yep. So we also have some suggestions. I think our number three topic area is estate planning, which that sounds like something for someone with a lot of money and more years kind of under their belt. But what kind of estate planning essentials are there for college age kids? So um, generally speaking, an estate plan includes a last will and testament, a durable power of attorney, and a healthcare proxy. And so you hope and pray that the will is not terribly relevant for your young adult, but um, realistically, it, it could be. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the pieces in there that are really important for me as a mom are to have a durable power of attorney. Um, regarding health, including um, a HIPAA waiver. And right now, using an example during coronavirus, if my kids, when they go back to school in a couple weeks, which they're both going out of state back to school, if they get sick, and, uh, you know, I call to the hospital or wherever and say, can you please give me an update on my kids? Well, they won't. And without that healthcare. um that HIPAA relief. They're adults in the eyes of the law and HIPAA is very restrictive on health health information privacy. That's right. And so um, for me, especially during this time, it was a consideration last year before um, coronavirus, but right now they were not going to walk out the door without that. Um, So I have that in my hands and, um, you know, durable power of attorney for um, financial issues as well is, helpful to have on hand again, um, in case something happens and, and you need to assist in making decisions. Um, those are the big things that I'm really concerned about through this period when, you know, they are technically adults, but they're still not uh, necessarily, you know, able to make all the choices that they should be. However, um, the healthcare um, proxy, the HIPAA release is is the number one thing in the list of estate documents that I was most concerned with and that I would recommend um, parents and um, college students consider. I always prefer that a attorney draft in your, in your region draft um, documents, but there's also online resources where you can get templated forms in order to sign those. But again, we're not only suggesting that you check off this list for 
your current financial needs, but also have the conversation. Hey, this is what this document is. Here's some other documents, a will you may have heard of, you probably have heard of, um, trust and power of attorney. This is what you're signing here. Here, you may even describe how mom or dad, you know, kind of approach things. This is, we have similar documents where, you know, you're, for me, um, my husband can see things and then I have backup people. So, you know, that I think it's, you know, just a matter of fact conversation in addition to covering your bases. And I will point out that um, when I explain these documents to my kids, um, you know, we had to get them signed and notarized. They were concerned about the um, durable part of the power of attorney. And so most states now require a durable power of attorney, which means it's actually effective today, the day that you sign it, as opposed to when you need it. And the benefit of that is, um, you know, it can take time. You might have to go to court to get um, a, a power of attorney to be effective without that. So um, it, it was a, an interesting conversation. They were a little bit like, wait, you can... Um, you have control of my everything now. And, you know, yes, I do anyway, because I'm on all your accounts currently, <laughs> as a little reminder. But, um, you know, they were a little concerned about giving up their rights. And, um, you know, we talked through what you said, dad and I have these documents for each other. And, you know, they're going in the safe and look in, you know, where our safe is. And, and, uh, you know, only to be used when necessary. And, and there has to be a level of trust. And I was actually surprised. I, I think we have a trusting relationship and we've always had an open dialogue, but they, but they actually raised the red flag, like, wait, you can do this now? What, you know? And I said, what, you know, we can destroy this later. If you get married and you want to change the person that's responsible or, or even if whatever your situation, it can be changed down the road. Um, but this is for now. And this is for this time period. Well, I think that's actually encouraging that you, they are demonstrating recognition that they are an advocate for themselves. So yeah. that is an early encouraging signs as well as maybe a, Oh, I'm surprised that this came up. So whenever possible, if you can encourage your family to think as an independent actor. That's what, as a financial planner, I always want my client to be the quarterback of their financial life, but to have a, a good team. And right now for your kids, the family is the team. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So insurance is also an area that we're always talking about with clients and what are the insurances that may need to be, you know, kind of checked off, but also discussed with college age kids. So depending on your family situation, your kids might not have any clue that they have insurance currently um, uh, or, or that they need it. So the first one is health insurance, obviously. Um, and some colleges um, just require that you provide proof that you have health insurance. Some colleges um, require that you buy their health um, program. And I think it's by semester or by the year. Um, and then there's probably some um, hybrid middle of the road um, thing as well. And so uh, that's an interesting conversation that you need to have. What does the college require? And, and you know, make sure that you have that. Um, the second thing is auto insurance. If they have a car on campus, then they have to have auto insurance. And that's the conversation that we've had too. My son has a 
you know, inexpensive kind of beater car that gets him from point A to point B. And so I don't have full insurance on that uh, for him just to save uh, the, the replacement the, costs would be low or yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, so auto insurance obviously is a consideration and then renter's insurance is something that a lot of families don't think about. And I think the number one expense, uh, the number one asset that college, um, co- college students have is their laptop, right? They're spending a thousand, two thousand dollars, depending on, you know, uh, as much as that on their laptop. And so maybe their uh, twin extra long sheets are not a consideration for insurance, but renter's insurance is really important. And when you look at that, make sure that that laptop is covered because not all rental, rental insurance plans cover that. And so there are specific uh, programs, of course, for, you know, college students uh, that rent. And that's, that's the primary goal is to cover the cost of that laptop. Um, but uh, uh, definitely a consideration that they maybe didn't think about. Sometimes homeowners insurance covers it. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, mom and dad's homeowners insurance, I mean. Yeah, it's always good to check in with the appropriate um, insurance agents and also just explain, hey, here's how it's how this works. So in my family, health insurance is under my husband's plan. He's in a corporate environment versus small business owner. And so, you know, open enrollment, it would be a great preview as they evaluate their options after school for working like hey heads up here's how health insurance works in our family and for other families they may go to the open exchanges a lot of kids are covered through age 25 depending on if that's a possibility for the family um here's how you get auto insurance call an insurance agent Mm -hmm. and tell Mm -hmm. them that you're acquiring this vehicle or shop around like you know i think a great idea would be when you're asking your insurance agent, hey, Johnny's off to college. What are the implications? What do we need to be thinking about? Do a carbon copy to the kids so they can understand the conversations. I was, when I was um, out of school and the bills were all mine, I didn't understand how, like the basics of how insurance worked. It seemed difficult to get for me. Um, And it's not if you understand and also understand the factors going in, you know, credit may matter and stuff like that. And how to use it, like right. health insurance. If you have to go to the doctor, you know, wh- what is your um, what is your plan number? How, you know, if they don't have a card or whatever. So knowing how to use it. What's um, the difference between an ER visit for an earache versus a yeah. primary care physician yeah. or yep. urgent care? Yep. All of that, the economics, the decision making, this is all um, elementary risk management, but you know, you can't graduate to the advanced courses until you understand the basics. Absolutely. So uh, identity theft is something that affects people even before they reach the age of maturity. What are you telling kids in our fifth point, um, protecting your identity? So, um, yeah, every day you read in the newspaper or see in the news about somebody's, you know, data was compromised somewhere and so identity theft is real. And um, just week before last, in fact, my oldest son, his credit card, his college student credit card uh, number was stolen and used. And he immediately got an alert on his phone saying, you know, is this a, a fraudulent activity? He said, yes, they canceled his card. 
And um, so that was a great opportunity to have that talking point of, you know, how do we protect your identity? And we talked about freezing your credit and how uh, beneficial that is and how it's a little bit of a pain when you do need to take out a loan, but it's, you know, it's worth the extra work to protect what you have. So, um, you know, I think it's really important to have your finger on the pulse of your credit score and your credit report, which um, going back to the credit card discussion earlier is something that uh, we talk about. In fact, when both of my boys got their credit cards, they um, now they, you know, get, I think a monthly, when they get their monthly statement, they get their credit score and they text each other and me, Hey, what's your credit score this month? So it's a little bit of a competition. Um, <laughs> and that's a good thing to be uh, conscientious and aware of what's going on and, and to keep an eye out for not just fraudulent activity, but you know, all the crazy things that happen, um, cybersecurity type issues right now. It's great if you can get your credit score through a service that you already have so you don't pay extra because it's easy to get kind of roped into a $20 a month to, you know, follow your score. I also encourage people to use the annual credit report feature that everyone has a right to since you're allowed to receive your report from three different services. If you put a reminder for every four months, then you can cover, you know, kind of a rolling review and make sure that there aren't any accounts that you aren't aware of. So that's great conversation to be having um, with your family. And then finally, we um, know that your human capital is probably the biggest resource you have when you're in school. But over time, your investments will grow to be a critical component of your future. So how do you tell kids how to start investing and, and encourage them to start investing? So um, a couple years ago, I shared a great graphic. Um, I, I, I can't even remember where it was from that talked about compounding interest and compounding returns. And if you start investing when you're 20, just to use that round number, what it's going to look like when you're 60, 65, 70 versus if you start investing when you're 30 or 40 years old and how um, profound a, a difference it makes by starting to save early. So both of my boys have a Roth IRA, which um, they can contribute up to $6,000 a year, but that's limited by the amount of earned income in the year. Right. So it has they, to be they, from work, not just from a gift from grandma or right, grandpa. Right. And in fact, um, scholarship money counts as earned income. Oh, that interesting. That was something that I didn't know that I found out a few months ago. And um, because one of my sons was, couldn't find a job for this summer, he was supposed to do an internship and, and right. um, it didn't work out. And so um, I looked into that and so scholarship money actually is considered earned income for the purpose of a Roth IRA. But um, what they both do is they contribute um, at, you know, X amount um, of money and it gets invested in their Roth IRA and their intent is to, you know, contribute something every year and let it compound for 40, 50 years until they need it in retirement. Um, you know, Roth IRA is a, um, a great uh, tax advantage vehicle, but you can't pull money out um, until retirement, until you're 59 and a half without paying um, taxes and penalties. And so w- whatever money you put into that is, 
you know, you need to intend for it to stay there. It can't be money that you want to pull out next year to buy a new car or anything along those lines. Right. There are um, a few loopholes for depending on the, how long you've had them in there for some portion that you can get back or perhaps for a new home or things like that. But yeah, most of the money really should be for very long term, but it's an extraordinary saving vehicle because when you take it out, you don't pay taxes. Yep. Yep. So um, so that's what I have encouraged my kids to do. And they've contributed, the, um, they contributed last year and, and one of them has con- contributed already for 2020. The other one um, is waiting till probably later in the fall. But um, yeah, it, you know, the compounding interest and compounding returns are um, really the selling point. So start early is what I encourage. In fact, you don't have to be in college. You can do it um, earlier than that if you have earned income, like we talked about. So true. I think that if you could do uh, encourage even a small amount, set aside 10% of what you bring home. If a family has the means to incentivize that, perhaps there's a matching program where if you put away 10%, I will match that so that you start to echo or mimic what many of us will have in our first jobs, which is the first, you know, kind of real world job, which is a 401k or similar savings vehicle. So, um, all of this conversation, I think, is both um, encouraging you to get real basic and real how-to on the nuts and bolts of things, but also just be giving a pathway that will encourage independent financial decision-making over time while addressing all of your needs right now. Exactly. Yeah. This, um, <clears throat> you know, not everybody has a um, certified financial planner for a mom, uh, and, and like I said, I'm imperfect in the way that, that I communicate this, these messages with my kids. But, uh, so I learn something new every day from them, but it's, um, just look for opportunities and explanations to, to move forward and to continue learning about how to best manage your finances. I hope that a few of our listeners are also those college age demographics that we are really talking about. And much of my financial lessons were learned through the school of hard knocks. But if you can have proactive discussions, whether it's with family or friends who really have the access to knowledge or reach out to person in the financial world, mentors or peers, I encourage you to do so. You are your best advocate for your future financial self. So be sure to be engaged. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Stacy. thank you so much for joining us today. I love these concrete tips. And for everyone listening, good luck in the new school year and take care of your money. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.